transparency what is that technology that ensures that this data collaboration happens in a privacy compliant manner in such that this data collaboration does not enable any entity to be able to take advantage of the data of the others Welcome to the Agile Digital Transformation Podcast, where we explore different aspects of digital transformation and digital experience with your host, Tim Butera, Content and Community Manager at Agile Drop. Hello, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. Our guest today is Pratik Dayal, Chief Strategy Officer at Achilles, a blockchain solutions provider whose aim is to make privacy a key element of digital marketing. Achilles is a first-of-its-kind technological infrastructure built with privacy compliance top of mind. Rooted in the pillars of unification, discovery, and engagement, Achilles delivers solutions which ensure that brands abide by relevant regulatory frameworks when engaging with their consumers, effectively protecting corporate regulations and boosting marketing ROI. With privacy awareness on the rise even among the less tech-savvy consumers, it's high time that digital transformation initiatives embrace privacy, and this is what we'll be focusing on in today's episode. So, why digital transformation cannot succeed without making data privacy a top priority. And welcome, Pratik. Thank you so much for being our guest today. Can you start off by telling us what was the situation with data privacy in the early days of the internet, and how did privacy awareness evolve alongside technology innovations? Excellent. First and foremost, thanks for having me on, Tim. Pleasure to be here with you. With respect to your question, while we're going a few years back, right? So I think it all, when you speak about privacy and the internet, if memory serves me correctly, we are going all the way back to 1994 uh, when the first browser cookies were introduced. And of course, cookies became the kind of default mechanism over time through which people's activities were tracked over the internet. And of course, as the internet exploded over the um, last few decades, you know, there's been an explosion in the kind of data, customer data that is out there on the net doing all sorts of things and which is essentially given rise to, so there's a scale of data. And now, as you say, you know, there's been a lot of discussions about how this data is being used, firstly. So in the initial years of the internet, you know, uh, 90s, late 90s and, you know, early 2000s, basically nobody really knew what a cookie was, frankly, right? But now as this whole, the volume of data is exploded, people are asking two things. One, the ethics behind it. How is my data being used? What is it being used for? Is it being used for with my knowledge or not? So the whole ethical part of it. And the second part of it is also the technology of it, right? The technology has also exploded. The technology that captures this data, that processes this data and so on and so forth. Is that stable? Is that secure? And as you'd be aware, there have been so many other instances where, um, you know, whether it be the ethical use of data, whether it be the Cambridge Analytica scandal, for example, or so many other instances of hacks and, you know, cyber attacks and whatnot, et cetera. So all this has kind of really picked up steam, leading to the regulators basically sitting up and taking notice of it to say, right, here is this business, basically the, the business of capture and processing of customer data and now we need to regulate it. So therefore the regulators came in starting off with GDPR in the EU, right? And then CCPA in California and so on and so forth that are basically, as you would be aware, right? Have introduced legislation trying to kind of regulate some of this, uh, this these issues surrounding data. In our part of the world, in Asia, of course, you know, uh, right through from China to India to us here in Singapore, we have or are introducing legislation that looks to do achieve 
something very similar to CCPA and GDPR. So that's in a nutshell what started off as a plain simple cookie back in the you know mid 90s exploded into this multi-million dollar business which raised questions about ethical use of data and the technology which made the regulators uh, sit up and try to regulate it. So it's uh, it's a very interesting journey so far and it's still not over. Yep, I still remember first hearing or encountering the word cookie when I was still a kid browsing the web and I was like, okay, you know, cookies, this is just some some web speak, I guess. And I didn't really bother with it. Yeah, until, until GDPR, uh, the update to GDPR dropped in 2018. That's when I I just started my first job and I was tasked with with updating some of the cookie policies and stuff like that. So ever since then, I've had a very, very a keen understanding and, and uh, I've been very focused on privacy. Yeah, that's right. So, OK, uh, then the COVID pandemic hit last year and basically it affected every field within the digital. And uh, would you say that? COVID has had, has had a huge impact on how we view and treat privacy as well. And if so, what kind of impact and why did it have such a huge impact? No, absolutely. You're absolutely right. I mean, so much, if as if all the stuff that we talked about earlier wasn't enough, COVID mm-hmm. has served this purpose of kind of exacerbating these discussions around data use and so on and so forth, right? Primarily because of two reasons, I feel, in my view. One is uh, a lot of us are staying at home, of course. Uh, and therefore, there is just more data. There is more digital data interactions on the net. We are spending more time on the internet, simply put, right? So therefore, our data points that are being captured, being processed and tracked on the internet have just grown exponentially compared to pre-COVID times. So one, there is more volume of data. Plus, within COVID specifically, has been there have been a lot of issues that you'd be aware of is about this whole business of contact tracing. You know, a lot of countries have introduced... Uh, contract tracing, right, uh, using Bluetooth technology, physical devices, tokens, whatnot, all this sort of stuff, right, which has made people just basically sit up and also get more conscious about the fact that our data is being used. So therefore, in this case, for contact tracing as an example, so therefore, I'd like to know how this is being used, who is using it, when does it get deleted, and so on and so forth. So explosion in kind of data points as a result of people sat at home, Second, COVID-specific data issues, predominantly, uh, you know, contract tracing have people even more aware than before of some of these specific issues surrounding data protection and privacy. So we had kind of one one thing that was a direct consequence of COVID. So the contact tracing, tracing and one was a di- an indirect consequence of COVID. So the, the bigger influx of data uh, due to more of us spending time online and interacting online and buying stuff online and, you know, just kind of these two playing together, both sides. That's right. Uh, and yeah, you mentioned uh, GDPR and CCPA in California and and other local updates to privacy regulations. And uh, how do you think that relationships between brands and their and consumers, their customers will evolve as new and updated regulations continue to get rolled out? Yeah, that's right. And, you know, that's where the rubber really hits the road because these brands, and not just brands, but also platforms, they have the customer relationship, right? So it's Mm -hmm. between them and so they are the custodians. So the brands in that case are the custodians of customer data. They are the ones who are responsible for adhering to the various, you know, regulations as well. So they obviously play a very critical role. The way I see it is that, you know, there is a trust crisis, 
I mean, for example, you know, as a consumer, as an individual, I read all this noise about data privacy and so on and so forth. Who do I really go to? Who do I trust to make sure my data is being used in the correct manner is my brand. I mean, the one, the entity I gave my data to or the platform as the case may be. So therefore, I think the, the onus on the responsibility on brands has equally grown over time as we were charting out the course of data privacy because they are at the forefront of, as I said, of making sure that they regain the trust of their customers, right? And also the fact that they are also at the forefront for ensuring that, you know, all the various regulatory requirements are met. So in other words, Tim, I guess what I'm trying to say is brands are in the hot seat mm-hmm. in making mm-hmm. sure how customer data is used and is protected and is processed. Yep, those are some very good points. It's it's with the rise of privacy awareness and the, the rise of this trend that uh, consumers are more aware of you know brands ethical and social responsibilities and you know this kind of pairs up to make them even more conscious of how the brands that they that they love and that they follow and that they interact with how they treat privacy and you know it's it can be a deal breaker you know in this day and age where with such a high focus on on these things for for brand reputation you know one small mishap as we saw with with Cambridge Analytica, you know the the, the trust in Facebook, I think, kind of uh, really sh- really shook with that, and that's when we started th- seeing things roll. You know, it was only a few months after that that the that the updates to GDPR were introduced, and then things just snowballed after that with privacy, basically. That's right. I mean, it takes so much so much effort and years, I guess, to build trust, to invest in your users, and it can just go away just like that. Yeah, that that's that was the best way of putting it. It takes years to do it, but it takes a second to ruin it, basically. That's right. So with all this in mind, with all that we've discussed so far in mind, uh, how should digital transformation initiatives incorporate privacy as an essential element of their offering? Uh, what steps should businesses take as they digitalize more and more? Well, absolutely. And as I said, you know, our, our practitioners in digital transformation, right, Firstly, the awareness I see that this whole like managing the entire consumer data life cycle is a very core part of digital transformation. Firstly, that's something that you know needs to be on people's radars. Uh, and right through when I say data life cycle, right through from data collection to obtaining consent to where it's kept, where it's housed, where it's stored, who's it you know shared with, to what effect and all of that, the entire life cycle, I see that as being a core, you know, capability that, you know, the digital transformation folks, you know, uh, should be able to able to kind of own and to be able to outline specifically within the steps. So some of the things, and there are many aspects to this, right? But I want to outline a few based on my experiences. Firstly, you know, how, for example, if in, in, in the digital team, right, if you're onboarding vendors, right, and there is some data exchange involved, you know, the first piece here is to say, right, um, how whenever the data leaves my uh, organization, how is it being processed, right? I need to have full transparency of that, right? I want uh, to have a data privacy assessment of my vendors, okay, which needs to be a kind of checklist of all the things that they should be doing, which would make me comfortable engage with them, right? I would also want to look at data processing agreements, right? So literally the legalese around it, Okay, with vendors and with my partners to say, you know, 
what are the regulatory obligation who's you know responsible for what and so on and so forth so that's the second piece you know the legalese around my data privacy agreements with vendors and third parties also the bit about scenario analysis right so impact assessment when you're processing data so stuff like for example a core part of the job i also feel them is volume and velocity of data right so we need to game a few scenarios where is to say right suddenly there is an uptick in data processing volumes which is much more than what we forecasted in the how are we going to deal with it right where does it go do systems kind of fall over right if not what is the backup because from a customer perspective you know they are used to seamless experience right so what are those processes and capabilities in place that make sure that even in you know various scenarios with respect to volume and velocity of data both internal and external how do you ensure seamless smooth experience right so that's the kind of impact assessment part last but not the least right at all is the bit about transparency and clarity mm-hmm. and what i mean by this is for example constant management is obviously um, you know very critical part of a brand or a platform's proposition right so therefore do our consumers do our users have complete uh, simple english uh, right uh, understanding of what data is being collected and what is it going to be used for and if that is going to be shared onwards who will it be shared with so it's the job of us in digital transformation to be able to ensure that these things are happening up to a standard that you know the regulators would be happy with and that we as brands owning a, a relationship with our users would be able to delight them in that experience so these are just some examples but you know there are there are so many things as i said if you think about the data life cycle that end to end you know digital transformation also captures i'm really glad you brought up transparency and clarity uh, because this i think is is one of the factors that i still see a lot of a lot of firms get wrong uh, even with something as basic as you know the the cookie consent banners on their website where it's you know very often it's it's a trend that you're not really given the option to opt in or opt out it's just auto opt in with as little information as possible and you know i i think that even something as basic basic as that as that should change even for for industries and companies that don't necessarily make heavy use of of uh, the data that you give them or that collect huge amounts of data but uh, in a similar line uh, you mentioned the volume or, or the bigger volume of data now but maybe on the other end of the spectrum since we're also seeing a lot of not regulations but a lot of tech innovation that's kind of that that's aiming to limit the use the reliance on cookies and stuff like that how would you say that this will impact stuff and kind of how how should brands go forward with kind of, with what kind of data they collect and how much data they collect basically no absolutely and you know you'd be aware team that the advertising industry is going through a seismic change mm-hmm. uh, as we speak specifically what with respect to the use of third party cookies so you'd be aware that the biggest you know three browsers are phasing out third party cookies which as we discussed earlier has become the default mechanism of tracking people's behavior you know online right and that has been phased out and will continue to be phased out and so on so basically you have a situation where the industry is basically thinking right what replaces the cookie right and so therefore uh, we are increasingly moving to a world where you know brands and platforms basically data owners will have to collaborate with each other 
right? To be able to get a better understanding of their users, to be able to do, you know, collaborate on data, build a more granular understanding of you as the user, you know, and so on and so forth. All these things that you used to be able to do, which then comes to the question about, again, transparency. What is that technology that ensures that this data collaboration happens in a privacy compliant manner? in such that this data collaboration does not enable any entity to be able to take advantage of the data of the others right so therefore some of the technologies and then to your back to your point about at the end of the day then the user needs to have complete transparency so some of the kind of technologies and these are some things that we are also uh, building uh, you know products on is stuff like for example data clean rooms federated learning right where data owners uh, data belonging to two different owners is never centralized in one place. It continues to be located in their own respective servers. And through federated learning technology, you're able to, you know, for example, create audiences and talk to these kind of distributed databases. So that's one kind of technology that is, I see that on the rise. Blockchain is another one. You refer to blockchain, right? Uh, I think it's a very critical piece in delivering that transparency to the users. Because it's one thing taking consent from people in, you know, hopefully in simple English to say how your data is being used, but it's entirely another to actually give them evidence of the fact that whether did you use the data in that manner or not, right? And that is not only transparency, not just for users only, but also for regulators. So blockchain, another to your point about emerging technologies is yet another, uh, a very good technology to record the customer life cycle. How exactly was customer data used once consent was taken? This, as I said, is a very critical piece, I believe, in giving regulators, meeting your regulatory obligations, and being able to give back to your, go back to your users to say, you know, this is how I use your data, and here is the evidence for this. So federated learning, differential privacy, Blockchain for transparency, as you rightly said, these are some specific examples of emerging technologies that solve for some of these issues in the advertising world, at least uh, with the, when the cookie goes away. Yeah, because marketing and advertising are industries where where trust between between the customer and the brand, or or trust of customers in the brands that they support, is really really key and you know it, it, there has to be some extra steps taken, taken here and i really love the example of blockchain i assume that this is also what achilles brings to the table for for your clients so so kind of incorporating and implementing these blockchain solutions that's right there was a natural bias there that's why i use that example <laughs> as well which is that, that's something that we do as well yes well but you know it makes obvious sense you know you, you are kind of representing achilles here so it, it it makes the most sense that you would at least mention what and how you do and how you help your clients if it's relevant to what we're discussing today right and yeah maybe maybe to kind of change the topic a tiny bit but still still stay close to it so one of the less often discussed consequences of of covid and the pandemic and this influx of of digital usage is also the increased volume and efficiency of cyber attacks. Uh, uh, are there any privacy-related steps that companies can take that will also boost their cybersecurity? No, true. And as you rightly said, with more data points, there are more data points to attack, as you said. Mm. So a very critical issue that you raise. Uh, and I think some of the things, again, you know, when you talk about cybersecurity is, again, and there are there's a plethora of solutions here, but some of the important ones that come to mind is, for example, multi-factor authentication, you know, uh, 
and that is something that i think most of us are dealing with as we work from home etc right so to be able to identify yourself as an employee logging in to your you know company systems for example through you know multi factor authentication basically as opposed to single factor right so that's i see that a lot of uptake of that right um stuff like for example virtual private networks endpoint protection you know cloud interfaces again i'm throwing a bit of uh, a few kind of jargon in here so apologies for that but again a lot of these i see as being used not only by us for example as a company but in the clients we serve okay um so there's a lot of that also it's also about you know system updates so we as a company ensure that all our critical kind of you know um uh, systems are all up and running uh, there are frequent updates you know uh, there are backups for example if you're running a a blockchain node servers running your nodes they need to be up and running all the time etc right so what is the kind of backup how do you make sure that they are up and running all the time and so on and so forth so that's very important last but not the least i would say to him is on this particular point it's just education as well and i'm speaking from my experience right um i i used to hear the word cybersecurity but not really know what it meant right and it was really helpful to be educated on that that you know your data what it means to you right mm-hmm. so somebody could pose as being pratik logging into the company system so that's one example and this is how you prevent that similarly now from an you know employee perspective think about what cyber security could mean somebody could hack into your company system so therefore what is the resolution for that so i think it was just what i found was very helpful in people just setting out what cyber security meant and what it means to me in my daily life in my daily kind of professional life and what should i do to prevent you know how can i play a part in preventing cyber security attacks Oh, this last point is absolutely crucial i think pratik uh, as as with most initiatives and fields within digital transformation you know the the getting your people on board is essential to success with with anything basically whether it be you know whether it be uh, new ways of learning a new technology automation or in our case privacy you know it has to be it has to be done with the people in mind and it has to be done not just it it mustn't only be a technology change but it also have to be a kind of a mind mindset shift right in order to to get people to to really as you said to to really see the potential consequences of not following these these regulations and not only the consequences for them but for the entire business basically absolutely well said Awesome before we wrap up the call uh, do you maybe have any any top words of advice for for business owners and decision makers that that maybe are having trouble uh, implementing privacy or maybe e- even even more importantly are having trouble achieving this this shift in mindset on an organizational scale what i would say is i my the only uh, advice i could offer is to to keep a long term view I see a lot of knee jerk reaction GDPR is here what are we going to do what does it mean right but I would urge most practitioners people in the industry to take a longer term view and the reason why I say this is for example again back to the industry that I am in in advertising and in marketing right there are many things happening at the same time right for example there is regulation there is cookies right there is cyber security there are other things right 
So rather than us reacting to each of these individually, if I were to take a slightly longer term or medium term view of my business, right? Where do I want to be, right? Where do I want to be such that I am in a post-cookie world? Where do I want to be if I want to be regulatory compliant and all this sort of stuff? And therefore, what is the roadmap that will take me there? So I guess in summary term, it's about just taking a longer term macro view with everything, so many moving parts, but having a vision of where you want to move the business to with respect to data privacy and then work your way back in terms of how do I deliver each of these elements. Awesome. That's definitely a key point of advice and one I think that listeners will also greatly benefit from. Thank you so much, Pratik. Uh, before we wrap up, wrap up the call, if our listeners want to reach out to you or learn even more about you, what's the best way for them to reach you? Uh, simply, uh, please reach out to me on LinkedIn. Pratik Dayal, you'll find me there. Yeah, and I, um, if there's any small way in which I can be of any hand, do feel free to reach out. More than happy to. Okay, great. Uh, thank you so much, Pratik, for a very insightful conversation. I, I really enjoyed it. It's been a real pleasure talking to you today. Likewise, Jim. Thank you for having me. Well, to our listeners, that's all for this episode. Have a great day, everyone, and stay safe. Thanks for tuning in. If you'd like to check out our other episodes, you can find all of them at agiledrop.com slash podcast, as well as on all the most popular podcasting platforms. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss any new episodes. And don't forget to share the podcast with your friends and colleagues.